0: I'm Tyler Crawley and I'm Taylor Griffin, and this is Access of Reason. Well, we are back. And once again, impeachment is the news of the day. We're also going to get into another. Well, I was going to say P word, but I guess impeachment begins with an I. Uh, We're also going to be talking about polls a little later in today's podcast. But of course, this is Access of Reason. I am your host, Tyler Crawley. With me, as always, Taylor Griffin. Taylor, what's up, man?
1: Good afternoon, Tyler. Great to be with you on this beautiful day, really, out here in America, but not so beautiful for the case in defense of Donald Trump. The no quid pro quo argument got a big blow today with a New York Times story out on testimony by Gordon Sondland. Gordon Sondland, if you'll recall, was the Trump donor who Trump appointed ambassador to the European Union and then Subsequently put in charge of Ukraine policy, sort of, or maybe not in charge, but he was very much involved in Ukraine policy. But his earlier testimony had said that there wasn't a quid pro quo, that the military aid that Trump was holding up to Ukraine wasn't connected with Trump's desire for Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden. Subsequently, other people, including William Taylor, who was the top. U.S. diplomat in Ukraine and, and others had suggested that indeed the things were tied. Sondland has now given testimony, correcting his earlier testimony, saying after Taylor and others testimony, his memory had been jogged and that indeed military aid from Ukraine was a factor in in trying to leverage the Ukrainians to investigate Biden. And in fact, He says that on the sidelines of a meeting with some Ukrainian officials, he had privately told one of the top advisors to President Zelensky of Ukraine, basically, if you don't go ahead and get that announcement that you're investigating Biden, you're probably not getting the money. It's now really taken apart the case that there was no quid pro quo here. Now you pretty much have everybody who was involved saying that, yes, this was indeed a factor that Trump was hoping to leverage in order to get Ukraine to conduct an investigation in order to damage a political rival. You can argue that, yeah, what Trump did was bad, but it's not impeachable. And I'll entertain that argument. But you really cannot
0: argue that Trump's conduct here was perfect. Uh Oh, uh oh, you're throwing away the narrative, Taylor. I mean, that it it is kind of funny, too, because I've been and actually this wasn't my this wasn't my point. Uh, Michael Brennan Doherty had a great piece in the National Review about right when this broke about three, four weeks ago. And he said right when the transcript came out and he said, yeah, obviously, the transcript makes it very clear that Donald Trump was asking for a quid pro quo, especially that line. And we all remember the interview on 60 Minutes, Scott Pelley talking to Kevin McCarthy. And he's like, great quote where he he says, I'd like you to do us a favor, though. And Kevin McCarthy goes, well, you added that word, though. And he goes, no, no, it's in the transcript. And McCarthy, you know, you could just see the panic set in that he didn't know that the word though was in there. And it does make it look like quid pro quo. But anyone that anyone, I mean, anyone could look at this. And, you know, David French famously said that he'd have to hang up his uh, lawyer suit if he couldn't make a quid pro quo argument in court. So for four weeks now, anyone with a brain has been able to say, yes, there was quid pro quo. But for some reason, the president is terrified of that. And in fact, I just saw uh, Gabriel Mailer had tweeted. Um, he's like, imagine that you're a rich hotelier and you give a ton of money to a presidential candidate So you can be an ambassador and then you get to be one. And then now you're finding yourself in a position trying to avoid charges that you've lied to Congress about something that isn't even a crime. That's what's so amazing about this is that Trump got so caught up on the idea of quid pro quo being an inherent uh, problem that he is now stuck in with this story. And it's going to be fascinating because we already saw the Washington Post report over the weekend that some senators are already starting to make this transition. And if you listen to some of the conservative media, I've heard Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, others have sort of already started saying, hey, quid pro quo is not a crime. There's nothing wrong with that. All foreign policy is quid pro quo. And so you're already seeing the shift. The big question is whether or not Trump gets that message, because he is the only reason the GOP has not gone full into, of course it was quid pro quo, and there's nothing wrong with that, is because Trump will destroy them. Because he is still hung up on quid pro quo and there was no quid pro quo. So therefore, my phone call was perfect. And, and until he gives that up, I don't think the GOP is going to be able to drop that narrative. And that's really going to make them look bad. Because as you pointed out, as this testimony points out, it's pretty obvious there's a quid pro quo. And that's the thing is Trump is putting Republicans in a
1: ludicrous position yeah. to argue that this is like, OK, and that there was no quid pro quo. And that his conversations were perfect is just ridiculous. And it defies any reasonable assessment of the facts as they lay, which are for the most part undisputed at this point. I mean, there's okay, maybe like every single person involved in this thing was lying and part of some deep state conspiracy. But if you're not going to buy into that, you pretty much have to buy into the the idea that the preponderance of facts here is that Trump was holding that military aid to Ukraine like a sort of Damocles over President Zelensky's head in order to compel him to open an investigation into Joe Biden, from which he hoped to benefit politically. That's just is what it is. And, and if, if Repu- Trump, Republicans should be able to argue this was very bad, he shouldn't have done this, but at the same time I don't think it rises to the level of impeachment I think impeachment should be a much higher bar. The problem with that is then Tyler you have to reconcile that with what if a democrat did this <laughs> in the future. And I can guarantee you I know I would be calling for their head and I can guarantee you every single person defending Trump right now would be outraged and 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 bursting with righteous indignation at this injury against our nation committed by a Democratic president if they had done the same thing. I mean, we just saw contrived speculation that Obama was behind the Russia investigation
0: and what that did on the right. Can you imagine if you had something this clear? I'll say this. You actually don't even need to play whataboutism. I mean, what's so weird about this argument is they're already doing that. I mean, how many times have we heard Republicans in Washington uh, denounce Joe Biden at that Council of Foreign Relations, um, um, uh, whatever it was, meeting in which he made the argument about how he pressured the Ukrainians to fire that prosecutor um, and he was going to withhold money. And everyone's like, ha, see, that's the quid pro quo. Biden's the one that's corrupt and they're calling for Biden to get in trouble for that. So what's funny is is like Republicans are doing this weird thing where they're denouncing Biden for engaging in quid pro quo and then simultaneously arguing that, oh, even if Donald Trump did engage in quid pro quo, he had a constitutional response. I mean, this is an argument that Greg Jarrett makes on Fox News and Hannity Parrots um, that, it's, that the president has a constitutional duty to weed out corruption. And so therefore this quid pro quo was his constitutional responsibility. But then they meanwhile are also criticizing Biden for doing the same thing in, I mean, the same country, the same situation. When Biden does it, it's wrong. When Trump does it, it's his constitutional responsibility. I mean, you don't need me to play whataboutism. It is happening in front of our very eyes. You're exactly right, Tyler. That's an excellent point. And that's the irony in all this. And
1: I think this is why you see Republicans who have half a bit of rational brain arguing points on process because you cannot reconcile you outrage with a Democrat in Joe Biden doing something very similar or a future Democratic president doing something very similar, which you surely would be outraged about with defending Trump on those. And I think that's why you see a lot of congressional Republicans <laughs> hewing pretty tightly to those talking points about process. Oh, we need to have an open inquiry and Republicans need to issue subpoenas. I, I listened to an interview with Elise Stefanik earlier today. Um, who's a Congresswoman from New York's 12th Congressional District, I believe. And she's a, a fairly rational Republican and the youngest member of the House of Representatives until AOC came along. And she she's interviewed about this. And every point is about process. It's, it's It's not about what Trump did was OK or making judgments on that. She always just keeps going back to process. And that's what I think you're hearing from a lot of rational Republicans. But when the process arguments have exhausted themselves and all of the facts are sort of out in the open and you really can't make any argument that there's something that the process has obscured that would be exonerating, what happens when Republicans have to reconcile themselves to the fact that they're they now either have to say this is okay or it isn't? And that's going to be the case in the Senate. And that's the big question. Is this okay or not? And when Republicans are forced to answer that question, you might see winds shifting on a lot of Republicans who want to maintain some sort of intellectual consistency. If they're not going to abandon themselves fully to partisan Trumpism, they they might have to switch. And how many members of the United States Senate on the Republican side end up doing so will be what determines whether
0: Trump is removed from office. You think he'd be removed from office? mean, You think enough Republicans? I, I think it's unlikely at this okay. point. I mean, because I think the I think impeachment. Is likely. But I think that even I I don't know what would have to come out in order for the Republicans to to vote to remove him from office. I mean, Trump's always joked about being able to shoot someone and not losing one support. Uh, The base would have to would have to basically leave in order for the Republicans to feel confident enough to do that. And I just I don't know. I mean, this has become such a partisan thing. That, I mean, if you even say that what well, we're talking about right now, if, if you're with other Republicans and you even say this, like, yeah, that phone call was not perfect. He made mistakes, shouldn't have done it. I don't know if it was naivete. I don't know, you know, what, what was why he did it, but it was bad. You'll, you'll, oh, oh, you're just playing into the Democrats and you're letting them control the narrative. And that's what you're going to hear. You can't even say that. I mean, you can't even say that, yeah, the you know, Trump made a mistake. Same thing with anything that Trump does, trade war. You can't go, yeah, the trade war, stupid. You know, we're 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 paying for the tariffs. This is causing hurting the economy. Oh no, you you don't understand the big picture. Dah, 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 dah. I mean, so I don't know how, besides like maybe Mitt Romney, <laughs> maybe him, uh, anyone else get yeah, the No, there'll more. be others. You think? Not just Mitt Romney. Yeah. Like Ben Sass, maybe? Yeah, definitely others.
1: Well, maybe Ben Sass. Um, certainly Susan Collins and, and others. I think there. I I could probably sit here and come up with several that potentially get on board with voting in favor of removal from office, but I don't think it's what twenty twenty one or whatever they need. Well, you know what? Um, Interesting at this point. But here's the thing, Tyler. Think about it. You're putting put yourself in. If someone is a United States senator, takes their job seriously, and takes their intellectual consistency seriously too. Remember what's at stake here. The United States Senate and the Congress passed funding to aid Ukraine, that they intended to be spent to aid Ukraine, right, militarily. Mm -hmm. And that is a pretty, uh, with the exception of Rand Paul and a couple others, almost every Republican is fully in favor of military aid to Ukraine. And then Donald Trump takes that aid that was lawfully approved and uses it as a bribe to get an investigation of Joe Biden. In order to help himself politically. Now, that's not going to sit well with senators who often have a really, a really strong sense of the need to defend the institution, not to mention the overall ethics of the whole thing and and whether that's uh, appropriate for a president to do. So there's a lot of reasons that you could see some surprising Republican senators. I'm not predicting that. Mm. But I think that, you know, Somlin's testimony today really takes away any case that the aid that the Congress had approved, the taxpayers money was not being used as leverage, that it was not the quo in the quid pro quo.
0: I think, one, it matters when we get to that point. I think if it's before most of the senators primaries, that's going to be different than after the primaries, because I think general election. Senate candidate and primary Senate candidate, especially on the Republican side are very different animals. Um, So I think that plays a part, but I think also, you know, the, I mean, the like last night, for example, Rand Paul, uh, we're recording this obviously on Tuesday. So Monday night Trump had a rally in Kentucky and Rand Paul libertarian Republican, a man who at one point defended Edward Snowden, who by the way, followed none of the whistleblower protocols and is not a whistleblower in any way, shape or form. Um, Defended Edward Snowden because he exposed government corruption. That's why he liked Edward Snowden was at the Trump rally demanding that the media expose the whistleblower because this guy had the audacity to challenge government corruption. (laughs) I mean, this is this is what is just insane to me as a Republican to see someone because now I didn't agree with Rand Paul about his take on Edward Snowden. I don't think Edward Snowden deserved the protections um, of a whistleblower because he didn't follow the protocols. And, you know, that's an entirely different debate, debate, but okay, fine. You know, Rand Paul has his principles, but how do you go from that to what we saw last night and think that anyone has, you talked about, you know, intellectual consistency. I don't even know who fits that definition anymore. I mean, that's, that's, that's why I'm wondering who would even, um, classify as someone that falls under that definition
1: yeah you know Rand paul is someone for whom i didn't agree frequently yeah didn't agree but i had respect for because i felt like his his beliefs were firmly grounded in principles that i did not necessarily share but at the same time he was pretty consistent be it a republican or democratic issue but this is just indefensible it's 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 something that you know even someone like me who generally has some respect for someone who sticks by their principles. It can't really reconcile. And so I Rand Paul to me is just really jumped the shark. (laughs) And I think that's what I mean, I, I think a lot of Republicans may be in this position. But again, it's all the focus on the whistleblower. That's the thing for people like Rand Paul. You know, it, it well, Rand Paul probably doesn't think we should be giving military aid to Ukraine in well, the first true. place. Yeah. So that's not as big a problem to him. But by focusing on the whistleblower, he doesn't have to make an argument about why what Trump did was okay. Because he knows he would not believe that was okay if the shoe were on the other foot and the president was a Democrat.
0: Well, yeah, I mean and like I said, I mean Edward Snowden wasn't was Edward Snowden under Obama? I think I can't remember it yes, was that was under Obama. um yeah. so we already know <laughs> that's the way he treated that whistleblower versus the way and once again Snowden wasn't a whistleblower but yet Rand Paul believed he's you know he deserved um you know some type of uh uh, uh protection of, of of some kind but I mean that that's just why I bring up the question you know I that's I just don't know if there's anyone in Washington that sort of fits that mold where they're going to look at hey you know I need to stay in office versus you know challenging the president. And then possibly face say, a primary challenge. That's why I think if the Democrats were smart, they would, you know, make sure this impeachment happened after the primary for a lot of uh, Republican senators. And the problem is, is they are, you know, you know, a, a decent amount of time throughout the year. So I'm not sure exactly how you would be able to do that, but um, that would definitely help them because while they're still in primary mode, you're not going to find many Republicans that are going to want to challenge the president. Uh, Donald Trump. That's a good point, but at the same time, do the Democrats
1: really want to succeed here yeah, and have Mike true. Pence as president?
0: <laughs> wait, 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 I thought because Hillary, Hillary, did, have Hillary a, doesn't become president? <laughs> Donald no, Trump president. and by the
1: way, <laughs> this whole thing about up upending the 2016 election, I will add that Mike Pence was elected as well. Yeah. And so you're trading one person someone voted for for another person they voted for on the same ticket if you did replace Trump at not like Hillary becomes president. And Mike Pence is, is actually a conservative. (laughs) Well, and an evangelical, but he is actually a conservative and actually an evangelical and is uh, reasonably competent and would be a much bigger threat to the Democrats agenda
0: than Donald Trump would be. Well, you know, that's a good point. And I do think we should talk about the polling that came out at the beginning of this week, because it's, Well, let's do that, Tyler. And and so what's funny about that, and the reason I want to bring that up is because I think I saw another national poll today, you know, Joe Biden up, you know, fifteen points on Donald Trump and Elizabeth Warren's up ten. And it's like you look at these national polls, and everyone goes, wow, Donald Trump's in a lot of trouble. But as we all remember, in 2016, national polls don't mean much. It matters what's happening in these battleground states. And the one poll that got a lot of attention was a New York Times Siena poll that looked at six battleground states and found Not only that Joe Biden, yes, did the best of the big three, uh, Biden, Sanders and Warren, but Bernie Sanders pretty much broke even with Trump in the battleground states. They split um, about pretty much the states. But Elizabeth Warren got smoked. I mean, she only won one. It was Arizona by two, lost, I think, two or three and was tied in the others. And so it showed that Donald Trump is not as weak. As Democrats think, and this "well anyone can beat Trump" theory that Democrats have sort of put out there is not true.
1: And also in Arizona, Warren was up by yeah. two, which I haven't looked into the details, but I'm guessing just by looking at it was thirty seven hundred people split among mm-hmm. six states, so the margin of error is going to be quite high on that. Yeah, poll. I think it's like so four two or five points, points. In statistical tie. Yeah, yeah, it, it's still. Interestingly, a very close race. Trump is not necessary. You would expect Trump to be a lot more underwater than he is now, especially if the polls were fake, like the, <laughs> like the Republicans and Trumpers always claim. Yeah. But Biden does have the advantage in four states, is even in Michigan, and uh, Trump still ekes them out by two, again, within the margin of error in North Carolina. But Biden's only out ahead uh, outside the margin of error in Arizona where he's up 5. And Trump is only up outside of the margin of error against Warren in Michigan where he's up 6. So right now what we're saying is that this is a race that is not in any way certain that Trump will lose. If you watch CNN, you'd expect that everyone hates Trump now but but there's a lot of people who are just not comfortable with a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren presidency especially And as long as the economy is doing okay, there are a lot of people are going to say, look, I don't even understand what this quid pro quo stuff's about. Quid pro what? (laughs) You know, the economy is doing fine. And so I'm not going to go and vote for Medicare for all or whatever it is the Democrats are selling these days when I know that right now, you know, things are working for me and it's pretty much okay, But. All of that is dependent on the fact on the economy continuing to be strong. And as we've discussed in previous podcasts, and if you haven't heard it, I encourage you to listen to our podcast interview with Neil Irwin, uh, the chief economic correspondent for the New York Times, where we discussed the probability of recession. But there's a lot of signs just by the age of the expansion alone, expansions generally only... Lasts a certain amount of time, and we are well beyond at this point the longest expansion in post war history so there's a good chance that we could have a recession before the election, and that's really the biggest threat to Trump, perhaps an even bigger threat than the impeachment proceedings, especially well, if the Senate removes him, that's <laughs> obviously the, <laughs> you know a, a threat but if if the Senate doesn't remove him politically, um the economy is a much much bigger matter for Trump to worry about. It. And that's probably why he keeps kicking these dumb China tariffs.
0: <laughs> Would you see uh what's his name? Jack is it Prosbiak, the uh the Pizzagate guy um who works for One American News Network, um, said that Professional Lunatic. Yeah, if he gets yeah, if prosbyt. Donald Trump gets impeached, yeah. it means he can run two more times because impeachment means it negates his first term. So that's really what the uh the conspiracy theory is. Um I don't think that <laughs> yeah, works. No, I mean, he said it's in the Constitution and I've I've read it, and um, I'll have to go back and look at it. But I, I, I
1: know that in in the Washington, you know just from the founding conversations, the idea was that impeachment <laughs> would bar you from ever holding high office yeah. again. No, he
0: thinks it actually negates your your term and means that you can then run again <laughs> for office. Can I give you my conspiracy theory on what's going to happen with uh, China? Oh please! Is, I, I came up with this. I, I came wait. up with this this morning. Cause I was, I was, I was discussing, you know, the, the possible, you know, the positive signs that we're hearing, you know, stock markets doing well, they're saying, Hey, things are working out well with China, as we all know, Donald Trump's um, sort of pastime, one of his favorite, um, uh, you know, things to do its hobbies is to talk tough cave, get a deal that's the same, if not worse than what was previously on the table and then claim it's a victory and act, you know, like the USMCA, which is basically NAFTA. Um, I think what Trump's going to do is he's going to cave. Well, change the yeah, name. Change the name. So yeah. he scrapped yeah, that. Yeah, change the name. That that was the big uh, change. Yeah, I think. Uh, and there's some dairy. Yeah. <laughs> some, some dairy. Some dairy. Pickup trucks, I think. Concessions. Trucks, uh- yeah. Well,
1: yeah, we were allowed to import more pickup trucks into they Mexico. Uh, but we didn't import. <laughs> we didn't even meet the current
0: quota, so it didn't make any difference. Sky's the limit. Um, so I think that Trump's going to yeah. cave with China. He's going to. We're going to end all the tariffs. And, you know, there was a report that was out recently. I can't remember where it was from now. I'm blanking. But it, 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 it was, uh, highlighted that GDP growth, because we saw, I think, you know, we, we, we saw the recent numbers for Q3 that showed us um, a rate below 2%. And some are were saying we're, we're getting back down to 2%, that trend line that we've seen for the last decade. But the argument was this trade war has cost us about a percentage point of GDP. So if Trump gets rid of everything at the start of 2020, all of a sudden our economy will get a kick. Um, The stock market will be like, wow, this is great. Everything will be on the up and up. And Trump will look like he is standing behind a booming economy when in reality, all he did was get rid of the stupid tariffs that he put in place to begin with. And it'll look like a win to not only his supporters who will love it, but the economic data will back it up and go, oh, look, things are actually doing better than they were. And so it's like Trump caused the own his own decline. And then just all he did was take his finger off the scale and it went back up. Well, that that's that's about right. If you think about all, all the
1: celebrating in the end zone that Trump and his supporters did when they got that little ceasefire in Syria, in Syria with Turkey. And, you know, I'm like, what, what are you cheering about? You know, this is a problem that you created. Yeah, exactly. You can't celebrate like a marginal improvement in the situation when it, it's a situation that you created yourself.
0: No, I mean, it's a brilliant move to make. So that way to avoid any possible problem is he kind of um, he steps on the uh, the economy and then lets his foot off. And then all of a sudden it looks like, boom, we're we're um uh, we're back in boom time again. And all he did was just get rid of the dumb policies that were causing the problem and his his base will love it. And like I said, the economic data will back it up now. Real quick, though, I know we're about to run out. Well, like
1: like, Tyler, I, I think what I'm planning to do, you know, with all this. Yeah. If, if this really works then you know, I'm going to come like rip the spark plugs out of your car <laughs> and then you're going to be like, Oh no, it won't, it won't start. And then I'm going to come in and hook the spark plugs back up again. And then you're going to thank me and tell me how brilliant I am for, um, for fixing isn't your that, car isn't
0: that, that, that's basically, isn't, that's basically the approach. Well, I mean, but isn't that, I mean, isn't that what some people argue mechanics do sometimes you take your car in and you go to a shady mechanic. And they break your car, and then go. Oh, I know how to fix it, and then they're yeah. And no, I mean, it's 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 to me. I like that conspiracy theory because then it proves that Donald Trump is an idiot, which I'd rather our commander in chief not be an idiot. And so, if Donald Trump is intentionally hurting the economy so he can then help the economy, I actually kind of like it because I go, oh, look, Donald Trump's actually he's not he's not stupid. He's just conniving, and you know, he's that's that to me, I guess, is better in a way um then the alternative which is he really has no understanding of economics um which is kind of a um, of yeah that's <laughs> you know you know you know what we always say Tyler. that's right that's right griffin's razor
1: yeah. never attribute to conspiracy that which can be otherwise explained by stupidity
0: <sighs> i know but i hope taylor i hope well with that that's all the time we have for this
1: week on axis of reason thank you for listening and please we beg you Subscribe on your Apple Podcasts app or Google Play or wherever you listen to us. Leave a review. Share it with your friends. Help us to get the word out because the fundamental political divide is no longer left versus right. It's reality versus nonsense. Thanks for spending 30 minutes of your time battling nonsense with us. For Tyler Crowley, I'm Taylor Griffin. We'll talk to you again next week.